Welcome everyone to season two of the Fantasy Formula. I'm Adam from F1 Fantasy HQ, and I'm joined as always by Rob from F1 Fantasy Hub. The 2024 season is upon us, and that means F1 Fantasy is back, Rob. Yeah, it is. Content is in overdrive. There's a lot of excitement with all the new liveries launched. Preseason testing is just around the corner. I'm uh, I'm pumped. I've had a you know a little bit of time off to rest and recharge after a bit of content burnout in November December. So really looking forward to getting back into it with a renewed sense of enthusiasm. It was definitely a welcome break for sure. And for those of you tuning in for the first time, let's tell you a little bit about ourselves. So we're the Fantasy Formula, two guys that have fantasy analysis accounts throughout all of your favorite social medias. And we came together last year during the Hungary Grand Prix, and we started this show together. You can find me over at F1FantasyHQ.com and at F1FantasyHQ on all your favorite socials. Rob, what about you? Yeah, thanks, Adam. Um, very similar to you, very similar name for a game that obviously features in our fantasy tags, but I'm F1 Fantasy Hub. I'm on Twitter, much like you. I run my own YouTube channel. I have multiple videos going out ahead of um, the first race week in Bahrain, and I usually have two to three videos a race week uh, as well. So lots of content to look forward to and uh, really excited just to see the community continue to grow into another big year for what I think will be. Rob, you mentioned our community earlier. Let's tell the viewers a little bit about that. So we're partnered with this app called FanAmp. And if you haven't downloaded FanAmp before, I highly recommend you do it because it takes things like interacting with content creators like us, race day watch-alongs, buying tickets, news, merch, pick em games, and a whole lot more all in one convenient place. And they've just been such a great partner to us for the last two years. I highly recommend you download the app. Yeah, definitely. I'd also I'd also just say as well, the best part about it for, for you fantasy strategists out there watching is that Adam and I are going to be in our, our little uh, fan amp base all, all the time. Every single race week, we'll engage with you live um, in the little chats uh, up until the race week coming up and we can answer all your questions on the fly. Very easy to respond and react to real-time discussion as well. And our show is also sponsored by a really great manufacturer of F1 gear called Fifth Gear Garms. You can see my little Mercedes logo is missing from the from the screen here, but you'll see me wearing a lot of their Fifth Garms, a uh, Fifth Gear Garms swag throughout the season. I love their designs. I love the quality of their clothes. And I highly recommend you check them out too. And if you do, use Fantasy Ten for ten percent off your next order today. So, Rob, we need to start this show off with the big news for twenty twenty four. You want to share it with everybody? Yeah, absolutely. It's obviously super exciting having been doing this for less than a year with you, Adam. But the big news for those of you that haven't seen on Twitter is that uh, Formula One uh, reached out to us in the off season to promote the Fantasy Formula as one of the featured leagues on their website. And you can find the Fantasy Formula League uh, if you go through to the Leagues tab and then click Join a League. Scroll down a little bit and you'll see us uh, through here. I'm obviously joined already, but you should have the option to join the league. We've already got 8,000 participants and I expect that number's going to increase as we get closer to Bahrain. So we are just so humbled and so grateful for Formula One for giving us this opportunity. And we want to pack this league and show them how strong our community is. So please be sure to join. It's going to give us an opportunity to talk smack, interact with all of you throughout the year. We're going to be sharing the top people in our standings each week. So a lot of great opportunities to interact with us through this new platform. 
Now, there's a lot to talk about because the game is back and there are some changes, Rob. Do you want to start kicking us off with some of the changes you saw for the game this year? Yeah, there's been quite a few different changes to the game. I know we were crying out for a lot of kind of different adjustments to scoring, to the gameplay, to the interface. And we've seen a couple of them come through. Uh, I think the biggest ones are the scoring updates. Uh, you can see here the, the, the big major changes that have been rolled out by F1. Uh, but the two biggest things that stand out in terms of scoring is in relation to the no negative chip. Uh, and then do you want to take us through the other one, Adam? So the, the big change for me is going to be the, the difference in how much each transfer costs. So last year, each transfer outside of your two free transfers, or maybe you've carried over an unused third transfer from a previous week, used to be a four-point penalty. Now this year, each additional transfer is going to cost you 10 points. This is really big here because if you make a little switch with your team, maybe you set your lineup a little too early and then some incidents happen later in the week or something happens in free practice that really throws off the grid order. All of a sudden, these points are going to start adding up four points in, you know, compared to the 300 plus points you'll score in a week. doesn't really feel like much, but 10 points, especially if you have to make one or two additional transfers, that's really going to add up. And then, mm. Rob, you had made some great points about what that means for the chips. Do you want to walk us through how the chip values now become a little bit more amplified with this news? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'll, I'll just scroll down here and, and bring up the chips. And anyone watching this can find this uh, on the F1 Fantasy website. But I think particularly for um, the minus 10, that increases the value for the wildcard and the limitless chips in particular. The wildcard, as you mentioned, Adam, didn't really hold a lot of value because of the minus four point penalty um, that, that was attracted for every single trade. But now because there's that increase to minus 10, I think tactically there is another element to how we deploy our our wildcard chip and obviously how we use our transfers. So I think that increases the utility of the wildcard. And then for the limitless chip, which um, last year, because of the pricing in the game, um, the, the limitless chip, I think, also now holds a lot more value in terms of the points you can score in a single race week. Um, but obviously, the, the other chip we alluded to, I don't know if we want to go through every single chip right now, but the other chip I alluded to before was the adjustment to the final fixed chip. What do you think this means for the for the game and for fantasy strategists? Uh, sorry, the no negative. Sorry, not final fix. My apologies. What do you think the no negative means for fantasy strategists? Moving you forward? had me nervous for a second there. <laughs> so, so the no negative chip change this time. So last year... Unless the final score of a driver or constructor was less than zero points, the no negative didn't do anything. So if a driver maybe finished P6 but lost three or four grid positions, as long as they had a final score great, uh, less than uh, greater than zero, the chip wouldn't take effect. This year, though, it's going to impact every line item of a player's scoring. So if someone who qualifies P2 and finishes P4 loses two points for positions gained slash lost, that's going to be wiped out to zero. So now the no negative chip is going to be way more valuable. Last year, it felt like so much of a crapshoot. You had to basically predict when a driver was going to DNF or lose a bunch mm. of grid positions. Now this year, any small change to a driver's score that could result in negative points is going to be wiped off the board. So no negative timing is going to be critical this year. 
I think as well, I, I, I mean, a, a good point, like you said, it was kind of a crapshoot as to when you wanted or when we thought the best time to use the no negative chip was. I, I, last year, there was a lot of talk into street circuits with high DNF rates is probably the best time to use it. But I think this opens the door for, for other scenarios where you think a driver is going to particularly lose places in a certain race if it's because they've got um, you know, poor qualifying, a uh, good qualifying, but a poor race and has comes to mind for me or, you know, wet weather as always, where there's other risks in play as well. I think that um, just creates a lot more situations where the, the chip holds a lot more value. Yeah, this was the most common complaint amongst all the chips last year. There was a lot of confusion about how no negative works. A lot of people were expecting it to do this last year and were really disappointed. And I know you and I, we both played our unknown neg negative chips throughout the year and they didn't do a whole lot for us. So now this year almost guarantees that it's going to deliver some value for us. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In terms of, I guess, on the topic of changes, in terms of other changes, there's been some changes to the prizes for the season. Do you want to kind of talk me through your point of view on on what this means for incentivizing those that finish out on the podium for F1 Fantasy? Absolutely. So if we go through starting with first place, the winner gets two paddock club passes. This has been the standard first place prize for the last few years, and it is the thing that F1 fans want to get into. They want to get in the paddock, see the cars, meet the drivers, and this is the prize that will get you there. It's definitely the highest valued ticket in all of Formula One. Second place is the first major upgrade for 2024. Last year, this was two grandstand tickets to whatever Grand Prix you want to visit. But this year, it's two Champions Club passes. So the Champions Club is the premier hospitality suite when you go to a Grand Prix event. So you're going to have a really good view of the circuit, all you can eat, all you can drink. And then there's usually a track tour and paddock walk baked in there too. So second place just got a whole lot cooler. And then third place, I'm really, really excited about this. change Because last year, third place was an F1 TV subscription, which is roughly 80 US dollars. A lot of folks like you and I already have one of these. But now this year, the third place prize is a 500 pound gift card to F1 Authentic. So nearly, you know, a six and a half fold increase in the value of the third place prize. Thank goodness they did this. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a, a just reward for some of the the maybe other fantasy strategists who finished in the top three in the last couple of years. Uh, maybe not a reward, but I mean, it's it's nice to show that F1 are obviously taking note of um, the prizes that were on offer previously and are incentivizing it. They're doing so well, you know, their viewership, um, new fans is through the roof. So a great sign for the game. And I think with more prizes on offer, that's only going to incentivize the player base to increase as well. We had 2.4 million teams in 2023. So I fully expect that's going to break two and a half, hopefully get close to three, three million heading into this season. And Rob, there was one last change for this year that we didn't touch on that I want to circle back to, and that's the new head-to-head -head battle mode league. I think it's going to be so cool to have the opportunity to have a grudge match one-on-one -on -one against someone. It's going to allow you and I to interact with other content creators, get some, you know, maybe some small wagers going or some smack talk going across our social platforms. I'm really excited for battle mode this year. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a great addition. I'm obviously still very invested in the overall um, total rank point scoring ranks, but I think it, it is, as you say, great to create a little bit more rivalry. What I would like to have seen, um, having been invited to a couple of head-to-head -head leagues myself, is to 
potentially increase the size of the head-to-head leagues where you kind of go head-to-head with different league participants over the course of the season. And uh, obviously at the end of the season, there's kind of some knockout formula type type result uh, or type structure that, that obviously rolls up into a, a championship decider. But I'm sure they've thought about this and maybe there's something like that on the cards in the future. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see if you if you're in a one on one league and you're just getting a pounding for 20 straight races. Is it really going to be that fun at the end? Are they going to need to come up with new ways to spice things up if there's a player that's consistently behind? You and I are going to have to do our own battle mode league and see if if we can work out the kinks ourselves. Yeah, but I think the, uh, the the most exciting part of this this video is obviously to divulge all of the different information around prices, early lineup ideas. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to to pivot straight into the driver and constructor list if if now's a good time to dissect. Let's um, do it. There's a the lot to unpack. Points. Well, I think I think the biggest change, um, and I'm sure you've got uh, your own opinion on this, Adam, is is obviously the the change in pricing um, to start the season off with certain certain assets. I think some were perhaps hard done by with the pricing heading into this season, and others perhaps a little undervalued. But I think for me, the big thing, despite the pricing, is the fact that the uh, we still don't know quite how drivers and constructors are going to fare come preseason testing in just under a week's time. Rob, you make this great point every year that they really ought to wait until we've seen cars on track to release the pricing. And Aston Martin really showed us why last year. You had these three assets in Fernando Alonso, Lance Stroll, and the Aston Martin constructor that were criminally underpriced. That allowed players to just backdoor some really good assets, very, very cheap. And then there were... There was a clear meta lineup right away in Bahrain that really stuck until Canada when we had enough data for the prices to adjust for real. So I'm hoping that there isn't some diamond in the rough this year that makes a meta lineup so obvious so early because I've heard some really fun and creative lineup ideas throughout the fantasy circles. Yeah, I, I agree. There's a lot more variety, and I think that's an incredibly good sign for a fantasy game where there's clearly no set meta lineup early early on. I think we will start to see decisions and teams converge a little bit as we get closer to Bahrain. But at the same time, I think the fact that there is a lot of different talking points at the moment, uh, to me, gives the impression that they really got very close to acing pricing and i think it's a great sign so far that teams as you say are are so diverse and even if we start at the top with verstappen he ended last season at 30 million so on the one hand you think okay so he's ending last season at 30 million starting this year at 30 million everything's fine but the difference is our budget was 20 to 30 million more last year so max Mm. all of a sudden got much much harder to squeeze onto a team gone are the days where you can do triple red bull triple mclaren with a little bit of of fancy footwork with your finances now we're gonna have to make some really hard decisions starting at the top yeah i think as well i mean you make a great point around the triple red bull um build if i just you know mock up a a quick team here with triple red bull that that gives us 20 months 21 million left to fill four slots there's no way we can even get close to that because logan Sargent at 5.5 is the cheapest driver in the game and um even if we tried to to lob in you know the three cheapest drivers we wouldn't have enough for the constructor so i think it's obviously a great sign that they've they've really thought about different scenarios and what that means for our team builds so as we look at the top drivers, there are a few other prices that really stand out to me. Certainly Lando, 
he's definitely paying for some of that second half success last year. He was one of these drivers that if you picked him up around Silverstone, where he got that P2 finish, you were starting to, you got him at a low price and then you were able to, to hang on to him as he became one of the highest growing value drivers in the game. Now this year, the expectation is P2, P3 right out the gate. So I'm nervous about Lando because anything less than a podium finish is going to be a disappointment in terms of points per million. You're definitely right. You're definitely right. But at the same time, there's still 28% of fantasy strategists out there that want him in their team. And I think, you know, the McLaren success, um, obviously that that price they've been assigned, both him and Piastri is a byproduct of how well the car performed over the second half of the season. And Oscar Piastri, I think another fall guy perhaps in terms of what um, – McLaren has been priced at 19 million. I was blown away when I saw that price for him uh, when the game launched. I thought it would be perhaps close to George Russell or Carlos Sainz, but I certainly didn't think he'd be outstripping them, let alone on par with someone like Charles Leclerc or a couple mil- a couple point million less than Lewis Hamilton as well. You know, we talked earlier about how Verstappen ended last year at 30 million and started this year at 30 million. Piastri is 3.6 million higher than he finished last season with when our budgets were as high as they're ever going to be. So the expectations for Oscar this year, like with Lando, are much, much higher. And now it's putting these guys that I was rolling every week in 2023 in the can't possibly touch bucket. No, no, not at all. Um, And McLaren Constructor, I think, again, another asset that's probably going to fall by the wayside a little bit when you've got other kind of value to unlock in Ferrari and Mercedes, which on the topic of um, the Silver Arrows and the Scuderia, what what do you make of Lewis and Charles' prices at 19.3 and 19.1? Well, I think it's a long time coming after what happened last year. Charles was, I think, the fifth or sixth worst driver in terms of points per million last year. That's because his price was a little higher than it should have been after his big success in the first half of 2022. He didn't crack under 20 million all of last season, despite the ups and downs of Ferrari. So Charles might be a steal in the early part of this season. Meanwhile, with Lewis, this is obviously a big year for him. He's preparing to move to the Scuderia himself next year, which I'm still coming to grips with myself. Lewis, this is the cheapest I've ever seen Lewis in this game. And so for a seven-time world champion with a car that looks an awful lot like Red Bulls in the early season renderings, I'm optimistic about him. This is the first time I've said that in a long time. Yeah, I I really liked Lewis and Charles at that price point. I I was um, surprised. I thought they'd probably be closer to Sergio Perez, maybe a little less. But um, at the same time, I really think there's a lot of value there for both drivers. We know they're proven commodities. They are very consistent fantasy assets, um, Ferrari strategy aside. Uh, And Lewis was one of the most reliable fantasy drivers in 2023. I fully expect that continues to continue and that car in general is not one that we typically see a lot of dnfs or reliability worries so i think you know if you're looking for a reliable asset kind of price between 18 and and 20 million he's probably my pick of the bunch um to be honest uh and you know similar ownership for for lewis and charlotte at the moment too so there's a lot of people i think that are certainly eyeing them off as as their second driver behind max And then as we start to move down a little bit, you have a lovable group of drivers that all have similar prices. And then there's a shelf between Carlos Sainz and Fernando Alonso where we start making some interesting decisions. For me, I have my eyes on Aston Martin again. 
Fernando and Lance were two of the highest owned assets last year because they had the highest PPMs in all of the fantasy F1 last year. Fernando being number one, Lance being not too far below that. And so you can see that's being reflected in their ownership rates. Fernando's owned on nearly a third of teams. And it hasn't been proven that Aston Martin can keep up the way they, they tailed off at the end of last season. Yeah, I'm really fascinated by Aston Martin. They haven't really either asset stood out to to me as as assets to own in the first race, given how awkward that 15.8 for Fernando is. It just doesn't seem to fit realistically in a lot of the team builds I'm tinkering with at the moment. Stroll's been in a couple of times, but I think the factory, the new factory that Aston Martin are obviously working with at the moment, really intrigued to see whether or not that bears any fruit. They obviously had that brilliant start in the first half of last season, but obviously tailed off every upgrade they seemed to make to that car, seemed to put them um, towards the back of the field. So I uh, I really know, again, Fernando is a reliable fantasy asset to own. Um, reliability concerns aside, as we saw with Alpine in 2022. Um, and he was, you know, up until that point last year where the car just didn't seem to be going the direction he wanted it to, um, would otherwise be, you know, churning out just kind of pretty good points for a driver at that kind of 15 odd million. I'm going to be keeping a close eye on Aston Martin this year. And I want to give Lance a little bit of slack because the, this time last season, he had that wrist injury suffer from the bicycling accident. He didn't seem quite right in the first few races, and he was still doing pretty well, all things considered. With that huge price drop between him and Fernando, if he can make a little bit of ground up on his teammate, I think Lance could be a sneaky pick at 10 million. Yeah, before uh, we jump into a couple of lineup ideas, I do want to take a look quickly at a couple of more uh, value for money assets on on face value at the moment. And for me, uh, Visa Cash App, Racing Bulls, if we're calling on that, or VCarb RB, whatever it is, I think there's a lot of value there uh, just because of the fact that this car is using a number of the RB19 components heading into 2024. They've got an extremely experienced driver pairing in Sonoda and Ricardo, which I think bodes quite well for the constructor asset. Uh, and at nine and eight million, I definitely thought both of these drivers would be maybe 0.5 million more. But again, maybe the uh, the fantasy developers are giving them the benefit of the doubt, given we don't quite know yet what uh, those upgrades are going to do for the car. After having one of the most upgraded cars in 2023, RB is bringing in the rear suspension and the front suspension of the RB19 that won the world title last year. I have a lot of confidence in Daniel and Yuki, and you can see fantasy players do too. Daniel's owned in almost half of all leagues, Yuki in a quarter of all leagues. This is way more than they were even at their peak last season. So you can see they're starting to, to flesh out as some of the biggest value plays in the game. And look at Alpine run underneath them. Very similar pattern of big, dry, big drop in price, big increase in ownership. Yeah, definitely. Pierre Gasly at almost 50% as well. I really like him. Um, I, I mean, I'm perhaps a little biased between the two Frenchmen on screen here, but I think 7.8 for both is is quite um, fair. I wouldn't really put you know more than 0.5 between either of them. Poor Esteban Ocon after seven DNFs in 23, six in the Grand Prix and one in a sprint. He's perhaps suffered a little bit from um, DNF imposter syndrome, but we know what he's truly capable of. He podiumed at Monaco last year. He's won a race before. Uh, if that Alpine isn't particularly slow out of the blocks i think there's a bit of value in both of these drivers uh but at the same time as cliche um and as annoying as it sounds it's all very much dependent on what we see in bahrain in pre-season testing 
this is such a prove it year for Alpine. They moved on from their team principal. They had all the drama with Piastri and Fernando in the off season. There was a lot of turnover in terms of their technical leadership over the course of the year. And then, like you said, that record seven DNS for Esteban. So this is definitely going to be a year where both the drivers, the technical team, the team principals, they really have to prove it from top to bottom. But if they do, this is an absolute steal at under 8 million. Yeah, yeah. I, I think for the rest of the field, um, Albon, his ownership's really shot up. I don't know if there's as much to talk about for the Sauber duo, Haas and Logan Sargent, but I think seven million for Alex Albon's also um, very cheap. I, his ownership's increased certainly since I last looked at it 24 hours ago. So there's a lot of people who are very optimistic on the Williams driver after a 26 point uh, World Drivers Championship haul in 2023. One thing I'm I'm really staring at at the bottom of your screen there is the ownership difference between Joe and Valtteri. Valtteri, I think people are still thinking about that first half of 2022 where he was so valuable when he first moved over to that team. But I, he's done nothing to really prove that he's worth the same thing as Joe Guan Yu. Joe, like you call him, the overtake merchant. He was one of the star budget drivers of 2023. He's right back in that range of a sneaky pick on some of these tracks with high overtakes. I can't think of a single situation where I'd want to use Valtteri for the same price. No, he was just never on our fantasy radar last season. And I think that partly due to the fact he's maybe checked out a little bit. Both of these drivers' contracts are up for renewal this season and he's got so many interests outside of the sport of F1 in his cycling, his gin brand, his budgie smugglers, whatever, auctioning off his, his bum for, for charity. I think it's all well and good that he's obviously got those interests, but at the same time, I, I just don't think he's you know fully invested in Formula One like he was during his Mercedes days and maybe that's just him taking a step back from the sport and enjoying it um, while he can in in a team that doesn't maybe expect podiums every race. But I think there's a bit more value in Joe at 9%. That's a, a fantastic differential. And um, I'd certainly consider him in my team if, if the right opportunity presented. Agreed. Me too. So Rob, now that we've gone through the grid top to bottom, are there good lineups that you can see before preseason testing? Does anything stand out to you? I think it's hard to look past Max and I know 30 million might scare away a few people, but as the perma DRS boost option last season, it's hard for me to overlook him now. There's 45% people that own him, and I think that's for a very good reason. If we look at the most owned assets in the game, he's still top three despite that premium price point. Um, again, it's hard to tag anyone as essential in a fantasy sport, but we were talking about the value that we have um, in RB at 8.5 alpine's obviously a little bit further down the leaderboard at 8.4 but i'm quite optimistic about those upgrades that you talked about for rb that experienced driver pairing and obviously the this gets overlooked a little bit but the teamwork points we get for qualifying for constructors if both drivers get into q2 or q3 that's bonus points in your pocket and yuki sonoda and ricardo both can very much get into Q3. Um, and I fully expect they'll be the fifth, maybe the sixth fastest at worst out of the gates. Um, so I've got RB as probably my pick of the constructors in terms of value from the outset. What about you? Are there any other drivers or constructors that Scream um, must have or worth owning in the lead up to testing? 
I have a very similar opinion to you. Right now, my early builds include Verstappen and Red Bull for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. Statistically, they've got all the pieces in place to really blow the doors off this season. Max, like you said, you get to double his score, which could include a fastest lap or a driver of the day. With Red Bull, you'll not only have the teamwork points for qualifying, but they also dominate in the pit stops too. And you can get the 10, the 5, and the 3, as Red Bull did on two occasions last year. So having um, what I call a studs and duds team setup, where you have the most expensive assets and then the best budget drivers in the middle, I think that's where I'm leaning toward, unless someone really impresses me this week in testing. Yeah, that's probably my second favorite build. I've got Ferrari at the moment as another team, but I think the thing that um, just seems to edge Red Bull um, in in many respects is is the pit stop points, as you point out. But I want to pose you this question. Obviously, as you say, you've got two very expensive assets in Max and Red Bull in our team. We've only got 33.6 million on the screen here to fill out four slots for drivers. What are the other drivers that come to mind for you that would have essentially have to fill out the rest of the team given we've got not much available to us this part of the show gets very uncomfortable because this time last year you could run perez as a number two you could run that early mm. season fernando alonso as a number two and have a really strong number two driver on your team whereas a studs and duds lineup is going to have the likes of lance stroll Pierre Gasly, esteban ocon alex albon show like nobody more than 10 and a half 10.8 million for the rest of your team. So you're going to to have some heartburn at the beginning part of that race in mm. Bahrain, but you'll have some very sturdy drivers at the top of your lineup. Yeah, definitely. I think as we've talked about, there's a lot of value in this Alpine and Racing Bulls um, team. Uh, and as, as you say, if, if they're quick out of the gates or at least overachieving based on their price, I think this is a very sound option. You've got a lot of drivers who definitely get into Q3 regularly and, um, assuming they're not the Haas of 2023, which I wouldn't expect any of these teams to be, and losing points from where they qualify to where they finish in the race, then I think there's a lot there's a lot of upside, and a, not just points upside, but also price upside. Because as we know in this game, the lower price you are and the better you do, the higher those price increases are week to week. Absolutely. And Rob, I just to, to sidetrack us for a second, did you notice there's a new name checker this year when you enter your team name you get a little orange box on the side of it i think you've passed inspection that's why you don't have it but when you change your team name it goes through a review to make sure that you don't have any offensive language this year um which is an interesting improvement over previous years because there are some some very interesting teams in the global league last year so looks like they're cleaning up their act a bit baby you got baku not quite uh uh, one you're entertaining this season it's not i so i went with just boring f1 fantasy hq so that all of our our watchers could use some of the fun team names i have a big list over at f1 fantasy hq.com make sure you make your team name extra fun see if it passes inspection but if it doesn't pass inspection i want to hear about it so i can get it off the list uh were there any other lineup builds you want to look at uh in the meantime or should we the only thing that stands out to me, and I've been dabbling with something a little crazy, is a Red Bull Ferrari build with Hamilton as the 2X, and then very similar drivers the rest of the way down, like a Stroll, Gasly, Albon, Joe kind of build. But two powerhouse constructors with potentially a, a high podium contender in Hamilton as the 2X, 
I think mm -hmm. that could be a really interesting build considering all the power of a constructor, the, the teamwork bonus, the pit stop bonus, obviously mm -hmm. Ferrari's going to got some work to do to, to contend more in the pit stops, but um, something with a lot of upside to it too. I think, I, I mean, I've been looking at Ferrari. So I, as, as both a first and a second constructor, similar to this build here, I, I am just fascinated by whether or not there is um, enough upside on the DRS boost with Lewis. I'd really have to see Mercedes, both him and George look rapid in testing both kind of P1 to P3 type positions to even feel slightly motivated to take him over Max Verstappen as my DRS boost from the first race of the season. The only thing I would think about is that let's say Lewis does look a little off the pace in the first race and Max is looking very quick. It becomes very difficult to suddenly move to Max because you're obviously having to downgrade Ferrari and that obviously wipes out two immediate trades off the board in that first week um, of trades in Saudi Arabia. So like if, for instance, you wanted to go to Max, you could. It would just mean um, if anything else for these look bad, then you'd obviously be taking hits in the second week, which is probably not something I'd recommend straight away. You know, that that brings up an interesting question. Do you think the game is going to be more adaptive with price changes right away after Bahrain? Or do you think last year was deliberate? They wanted to see seven or eight races worth of data before they started moving things up. I don't think so. I think we'll start to see from the first race those more drastic increases. Typically, we were only seeing for a lot of drivers those 0 0.1 to 0 0.5 million dollar increases unless those more underpriced assets like Aston Martin and McLaren were consistently finishing on the podium where we saw those 1 to 1.5 million dollar swings. Uh, but I think they'll... I can't see a reason why they would want to go away from how pricing was at the end of the season. Um, and I think it also just encourages more people to be active with their teams and their transfers if we're seeing price increases that incentivize trades and incentivize chasing those those gains as well. I agree because in you know, somewhere around race five or six last season, you had a lot of teams downgrade themselves into zombie teams and just give up on the game because they thought the pricing is never going to catch up. This is what the game is. I quit. And so you see teams with triple Aston Martin three quarters of the way through the season when McLaren have more than earned their spot as a top constructor, even as um, Alpha Tauri were making their ascent last year and, and starting to take over where Aston Martin was, people were leaving them in their lineups. So that tells me a lot of teams quit because the score mm. didn't quite catch up to the game. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, there's plenty of different combinations I think we could go through and we'll certainly cover quite a few more in um, our videos closer to, to Bahrain. Uh, but I think, you know, from what we've covered so far, there's, you know, there's a couple of different skeleton builds you could go with that will ultimately pave the way for fantasy success, success for new and um, rec returning players. Um, I think, Adam, do you want to kind of wrap things up? We'll do We'll do our little social channels plug and go from there. Yeah, let's let's go with some shameless plugs. So over at F1FantasyHQ.com, I have a strategy guide that's all new for this year. I talked about the list of funny team names. I break down all the DNFs from 2023 to point to where I plan to use the no negative chip. I have exclusive interviews with the P2 finishers from the Global League from 2022 and 2023 and a whole lot more. I'm writing some more stuff as we speak. So head on over there to check me out. You can also find me at F1 Fantasy HQ on pretty much any social you could imagine. So that's me. How about you, Rob? 
Yeah, I mean, as we pointed out at the start, we're both very active on Twitter, on X, uh, F1 Fantasy Hub uh, there. Um, I run a YouTube channel, as I said at the start as well. I've got a bunch of videos going out between now and the first race week and we'll continue to push out more content um, beyond that. Uh, but I've got plenty of videos out at the moment, tips to succeed and maximize your rank, mistakes to avoid, drivers on your watch list, tips for beginners, everything and anything you can name under the sun in terms of fantasy content. So YouTube and Twitter are, are my biggest channels, um, but obviously we're also very prevalent um, in FanAmp space as well for the fantasy formula. So if you want to reach out to us in real time, get any direct responses to lineup builds, selection dilemmas, chip usage, um, jump on over there and find us um, on, on FanAmp and we can answer your questions on the fly. Absolutely. So that's all for now, but we'll be back the week of the Bahrain Grand Prix in the middle of the week to give you our race preview, dial in our lineups after having seen preseason testing, give you some tips and tricks for our first race. And then on Friday, because lineups lock on Friday for Bahrain, we'll be back one hour before qualifying with Terry from F1 Coffee Corner, giving away fifth gear Garms gift cards, doing our usual thing, taking questions from all of you and interacting with our strategist community. So do join us for our first race uh preview of the year i think it's going to be a big one awesome yeah i can't wait it's going to be the biggest season yet for the fantasy formula um and i'm super excited to to connect with all of all of you guys watching this on all of our upcoming deadline streams as well thanks for watching everybody we'll see you in a week and a half